Other than that, let's get going. Um, you can open your Bibles to Ezekiel 1, and I'm just going just gonna to pray for us. Lord, we're present tonight to what you're speaking, and we want to be good listeners. So give us grace, God. We cling to every word that comes from your mouth. Articulate your heart, Jesus, as only you can. We incline our hearts, God. We incline our ears, God. We steep ourselves in every word you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to continue. I think the last time I spoke was a couple weeks ago and continue this, uh, this sermon series that I've titled To Walk Amongst the Gods of an Idolatrous Culture. And so we are, as Christians, tasked with walking, uh, living in, in a modern-day Babylon. And I don't say that to try to throw a stone at the United States of America, but simply to define that we're living in a context of a very uh, dynamic, powerful culture that has no appetite for our God. And so we looked at Daniel a couple weeks ago talking about identity, and uh, my plan was to continue in Daniel, and I will, uh, but I could not get away from Ezekiel chapter 1 this week, and so I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit here, and I feel like he has a word to speak to us uh, out of uh, Ezekiel, from the life of Ezekiel. And uh, before I get into it, it it's really, we're, we're hitting a similar uh, stream here of thought uh, that I feel like I've preached in five or six different ways over the last few months um, regarding being a missional church. And I just want to speak to why we keep putting language to this. Um, it really comes out of this pursuit that I'm in that I'm just convinced that God is trying to pioneer right now in the United States of America a, a church that is doing church differently than how it's been done. And uh, I heard, I've heard it said that, you know, when God pioneers a new thing, which he's constantly doing, in fact, I think he's oftentimes pioneering like five different things, but he does it because there is a deficiency in the body. And so then he puts his grace on a, a certain aspect of the body that they almost have, a, like they, their emphasis is on what the deficiency is in. Does that make sense? So when my body's like craving vitamin D or vitamin C or whatever it is, does that make sense? Diet that's going to include an overemphasis on vitamin C. Does that make sense? So oftentimes... There will be different movements that you're like, man, they're so different. Yes, because the emphasis that God has put upon them, it, it, it's to bring a correction to a deficiency. Does that make sense? So I feel like as, as Riverhouse, we're in this season that we're recognizing the grace of God. There's a unique grace upon this community. And we're in this process of searching for the words that can bring us into understanding of what this unique grace is. Of what this emphasis is that God is why he's raised this church up. Does, does this make sense? 
So because of that, I feel like this, this being a church on mission, being a people movement, there's something contained in this that is very pivotal for us to understand as our identity, our, our, our corporate communal identity as River House. And so that's why I feel like God's having us camp in, in this, this same place uh, in so many different ways. It's, uh, I, I, I'm searching. I'm, I'm up here, even in a sense, searching for the language that's going to bring the paradigm shift where we stop seeing being, being so identified as, as this body and actually become a movement. Right? We, we use this language, but I'm still not convinced that we've, we've become it that we've become the movement that God sees. I think it's, it's happening, we're in this baby, baby stages of it, but I think that there is a further progression. Are you with me? So I, I'm, I'm up here again, searching and seeking God for the wisdom, for the language, so that we as a community can come into understanding of, of this, this force, this movement, this missional expression that God is wanting to release through his church so that we can actually transform cities. Right, so I believe that these words from Ezekiel tonight that they hold, um, they they hold some keys for us. That's that's my prayer, and so uh, Ezekiel is a prophet, and uh, he's actually a priest. He's the son of priest, and and we know him as a prophet. He had these visions, and I would say, um, you know, there's really two visions that would be the most kind of famous of Ezekiel that we know. One would be that the army of dry bones. Who's familiar with that? Over here, yeah, and then the Ezekiel 47 river flowing from the temple, and who's familiar with that? So I want to actually, I want to talk about the river, the Ezekiel 47, um, and, 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 and really the implications of this vision Ezekiel releases, and then I want to, we're going to rewind back to Ezekiel 1 and talk about the identity of, of the man, of the person that God actually formed that could actually speak uh, these words, because I believe that Ezekiel, that there's there's something the Lord wants us to glean, and uh, Ezekiel 47, well, it, it, it has language that I think is so important that we even today come into understanding of. And so the vision in Ezekiel 47, like I mentioned, is this river flowing from the temple. And Ezekiel's taken in the vision to the, the east side, it's trickling out, and it's just a trickle when it comes out of the threshold of the temple. And then it starts measuring, and the further away he gets from the temple, the, the water becomes deeper and deeper until eventually he can't pass through the water. And then the water eventually goes down into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea starts to swarm with life. Right? And, and who's been to the Dead Sea before? Yeah, like who got there? Anybody get your eye in the water? Yeah, if you, like, I thought I would go for a swim in the Red Sea until, or the Dead Sea until I realized, like, one speck of water in your eye feels like someone has a needle and they're stabbing you. Like, it is the most dead place I've ever been. It's beautiful. It's kind of fun to soak in, but it is dead. And so this is a profound allegory where God is showing this, like, this is the, the implications of this water that flows from the temple. So the further the water gets from the temple, the more potent it becomes. 
And I think there's a lot that you can glean, even from a casual reading of that. But what we often miss is that there's actually, uh, this is a really radical image, and it actually was, was meant and intended to bring correction to the Israeli uh, uh, understanding of religion. Right? It was a redefinition of the religious form of how people, the Jews, understood the, the Jewish religion. Okay, So there's a, a redefinition taking place. And this redefinition is that this, this Ezekiel 47 vision is a picture of a decentralized religious form. Right? So in Israel, the, the temple had almost become an idol. Everything centered around the temple and the duties of the temple. And everyone would pilgrim in from across the, the whole nation multiple times a year. And the epicenter of the Jewish life was the temple. It was where the power was and all the power consequently rested upon the priesthood. Okay, so the, the Israel had lived with this very centralized religious order, and it actually, you know, became an idolatrous nation under this religious order, and they got exiled, right? And so Ezekiel, he's speaking something that is radically revolutionary here. He's, he's turning the whole paradigm of how people perceived the temple. No longer is the temple the epicenter. The temple's actually just where the trickle is. And it's the further away that the water gets from the temple, the more potent it becomes. So he is actually redefining not just the whole religious order, but especially the role of the priest. Right? And we are, just so I make this clear, we are a royal priesthood as New Covenant believers. So I am speaking to a room full of priests tonight, right? So Ezekiel's redefining the role of the priesthood, and it is no longer to be the carriers of the power and the ones that run the religious order, but it's actually to administrate the presence of God and empower people, right? And what does this empowerment look like? On the banks of this river, wherever it went, says there were trees, and the trees grew up, and they bear fruit every month, and the leaves are for healing, right? And when I think of this, it's like this beautiful forest, but I think of an ecosystem of healthy family where there is fruitfulness, there's food, there's nourishment, and there's healing. That sounds like family to me. Right, so it's this, this people, as they camp themselves, as, they are the, the, as the priesthood administrates the presence, people then can find their spot. They have, we each have riverfront property. Isn't that good news? We've all been given riverfront property somewhere on this river that flows out into the world, into the dead places of society. We have a beachfront property where we are to sow ourselves, plant these seeds of promise, become these oaks of righteousness that bring restoration to the world, that bear fruit in every season, and release healing to the nations. This is amazing. Of the this is all this would have been a radical reinterpretation of the religious life for the Jew reading Ezekiel 47. And I believe that, that we are actually uh, needing this same 
uh, reorientation, this redefinition, because I believe this picture, I mean, we're called River House, for crying out loud, the river coming from the house of the Lord, but I believe that God is wanting to bring a similar redefinition so that we can come into understanding of the purpose of the temple, of the church. Right? And so to modernize this, to Americanize this perhaps, uh, I believe that we have had an understanding as Western Christians where the temple, the church, has been the, the center of the religious life. Right? Everything has flown through the temple. Everything has had to derive itself from church, from Sundays, from, from program oriented ministry and it's created uh, this ecosystem of uh, where uh, where everything you know everything similar to Israel everything was known through the temple where the priest the the priest find their identity in relationship to the institution of the temple and it's been the same in the church the people of God have found our identities as it pertains to being used by God to the, the structure of church on Sundays. Are you following me here? So I believe that the Lord's wanting to, to bring this redefinition so that we can become a people movement first and understand the, the role of church, of, of the temple. Right, and, and as I already mentioned, this has just been like this, this is, it perturbs me and disturbs me and it nags me constantly over a lot of time. I've been searching God. I, I want the language. We need a revelation so that we can become the movement, so that we can embrace our calling, that we can become what church is meant to be. Right, like Adam and Eve walked in the garden and they walked in perfect relationship with God. Right? And that's a great theory. Like, who says that's awesome? I want to live in perfect relationship with God. Right? But the problem was, is that over time, after sin came, and all these stories, even though the Jews loved God, and they, they wanted to live in perfect relationship, they didn't know what it actually looked like. Right? And so Jesus came, and he actually redemonstrated what it looks like to live in perfect relationship with God. And it was like shocking. You following me? It was like, you mean, that, that's what it looks like? You see what I'm saying? I think church, there's this image in the heart of God of what it means to be church, and I think we've forgotten it. I think we read Acts and we hear these stories of this movement that turned the world upside down, and we're like, yes, this sounds awesome, but we actually don't know what it means, what it looks like. And I think that God is wanting to release a revelation. He's, he's, he's looking for people that will say, okay, I'm making myself available so that you can land on me. You can disturb me even. You can change my paradigm so that you can, you can just compel me with this vision of what church is actually supposed to look like. As the expression, the representation of Jesus in the earth. Does this make sense? Okay, so I, I just want to rewind now, and I want to look, look, we're going to go to Ezekiel 1, and just read a few verses uh, to look at, oh, thank you, to look at the making of the man that was poised to give this language 
to, to, his, to his people, right? I think we are a people, we are on pursuit of the words of God because the words of God shape our reality. They shape how we see the world. So we're really searching for language. We want to be modern day Ezekiel's that, that see what heaven sees. Amen? So we minister out of who we are. We minister out of our identity. So I want to look at kind of the, what we know to see the formation of Ezekiel. What actually positioned him to have this understanding, be able to speak these words. Right? So I'm just going to read the first three verses. And they say this. Now it came about in the 30th year... On the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Shabar among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth month in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shabar. And there the hand of the Lord came upon him. So this is a, 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 just a small snippet of verses, but it actually holds a lot of meaning. And I believe that Ezekiel's actually trying to bear his heart a little bit here and bring people into understanding of how profound it is that it was in the 30th year by the river Shabar that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Right. So the one thing we see here, uh, we see it repeated, is that uh, Ezekiel is a priest. Right, so Ezekiel was a priest, and it says he starts off in the 30th year, and then two verses later he says in the fifth year of the exile. And so it actually doesn't really line up if you're looking for what is the 30th year of. And so most scholars, they'll believe that he's actually speaking of his own age. He's speaking of his own, like his birthday, his 30th year. And why this is significant is that a priest... From the time they were born of a priestly family, they would spend the first 30 years of their life preparing to step into the office of the priesthood, right? So everything Ezekiel had ever known, his whole identity was in preparation to serve the institution of the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, that was his whole worldview. That was his training, his development, his rigor, rigorous study. Everything for 30 years was leading to a culmination that he would step into his destiny, his identity, which utterly revolved around the four walls of the church. Okay, and he's speaking here saying in my 30th year, I was the, by the river Shabar and the word of the Lord came to me, right? And this is an actually a, a very interesting place that he would mention uh, in Psalm 137. Uh, river Shabar is that's a canal. Most people think that flew that flowed out of Babylon and in Psalm 137, which is a priestly psalm. Uh, th these are the words we see. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you, O Jerusalem. Right? 
The river Shabar was a place of mourning. It was a place of devastation. It was a place where they were being taunted by their captors. It goes on and they're, 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 right, they're hurting. Devast- Psalm 137 saying, punish these people, God. Right, they're hurting, devastation. So Ezekiel is, 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 is opening his heart. He's saying, in the place of my utter ruin, in the place where everything that I thought I was was destroyed, in the place where I was mourning the loss of my identity and the loss of my destiny, in the place where I was saying goodbye and looking at the future with no knowing of how God could use me as a priest now that the temple is gone, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel. And he has this vision. It's this fascinating vision that you could probably read a thousand times, still not figure out exactly what he saw. I kind of like still don't understand it. But basically, he sees this swirling storm that has wheels and it speaks of movement. Everything he describes has this movement to it. The wheels are moving, the angel's wings are moving, and it's moving, and it's coming, and it's coming to him. And as it comes, he starts seeing, he sees like an expanse. He says it's like a sea of crystal. And then he sees something like a throne. Then he sees something like a son of man on the throne. Then he hears the voice of the Almighty. And he has a vision of the manifest glory of God but to his surprise God was revealing to the priest you're not a priest you're not lost your identity's not broken you're a prophet and he comes and the word of the Lord the river of Ezekiel 47 it found its way to Babylon and it showed and reassured his son that though you may think you are done and you have no call I am with you in Babylon I am not bound to the religious order. Like I am not, the, the, the temple is the footstool of my feet. It does not possess rights of me. I am God on the move. And I'm with you, Ezekiel. And he comes and he redeems this loss and he shows his son, you're not a priest anymore. You're a prophet. The word of the Lord is with you. And it says it came expressly to Ezekiel. I think that this has powerful implications. You know, the first thing that I just, I I feel like there's a lot of people, I've had an uncanny amount of conversations over the last probably year and a half, two years of my life, of people that that had a lot of aspirations uh, for, for ministry as we know it. Uh, for church ministry, to pastor a church, to, to, to have a, a pulpit to speak from in some capacity, women's ministry, this ministry, that ministry, whatever it is. We, 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 I think we've, our, I, we've had this thing as Christians that our identity has been so derived by the four walls of the church that, that then our dreams have all also revolved around the four walls of the church. Does this make sense? And I've talked to a lot of people who have shared of crisis, crises. I had this breakup. I had this pain. I had this, this, this happened, whatever it was. And I, it shattered my dreams. I, I worked for 30 years to be a priest and now the temple's gone. I've had this conversation. It's like it's been on repeat, repeat, repeat repeat and I believe like I've literally come to believe and form language simply from processing with the Lord how is it that I keep having this conversation on repeat and the Lord I believe is it's because he is changing the prototype 
of, of the pastor, of what it means to be a pastor. Right, I want to Americanize this and break this down. We have been living in a nation that for the last decades we have had a church uh, that has been in a pastoral paradigm. This is not bad, but what I mean by that is that it has been a shepherd and his flock. And, and the whole religious community of each, you know, everything has been, this is, this is stereotypically speaking, has, has been about, uh, you know, everything has been predominantly program driven around the church. It's uh, the religious life, the spiritual life has all revolved around the church. Everyone's looking for how to sow into the church and serve the church and build the church and do this ministry and, you know, do all these things about the church, right? The institution of the church, this, this building of the church. And what has happened, and that's not bad, it's just incomplete, right? We need to take care of our own. We need to love one another. Like, those things are important, but it, it's not complete. And we have found ourselves now, fast forward to 2018, we are an exiled church. And we need to accept that. We are exiled. We have lost cultural influence. We are on the far outskirts of American culture. Nobody's ringing the church to ask how to make decisions and live life and do things, right? The church is looked at incorrectly, right? Because we got siloed. Somehow we got stuck. Everything flowed into the church, and it was all about the temple. Does this make sense, right? This is the mindset that we've inherited, all of us have inherited this. Some of us are on different journeys of trying to vision something different. But this is what we inherited, whether we grew up in the church or not. This is what we saw. This habitual experience was repeatedly preached to us again and again and again. The religious life revolves around the church. Right? And we've become an exiled church. And so I believe because of this, God has actually brought many people through these crisis experiences where he's actually reorienting our minds to what are the dreams for my life? What does it look like for God to use me? And I feel like he's raising up men and women of God and he's actually pushing them out into society. He, it's like he's sovereignly, it's like he, he's breaking this idol of the pulpit that we have had. And he's, and he's saying, no, no, your pulpit is not in the church. Your pulpit is in culture. Your pulpit is in the city. And I feel like though it's been painful, I, I just feel like there's been pioneers. I've, I've talked with many of you. You've, you've walked, you've stepped out, and you've had this crisis. You've had this Ezekiel crisis. And, and the, the dream of the pulpit and the platform whatever it was, it changed. It was dashed before your eyes. But I feel like the Lord is releasing grace upon us that's bringing redemption to this. And it's, it's we are not just a priesthood within the building, within the institution. We are a prophetic people that the river, the Ezekiel 47 river, it will find us wherever we are at. Right? That, that vision of the glory will come and fill us with the word of the Lord. And it's actually going to go before us into the world. And it's going to establish a pulpit from which we can begin to prophesy from. I think this is, this is happening. And I think it's going to continue to happen. Because this is what I'm experiencing. Is that when we have the old wineskin, we, we want to then take the old wineskin and project it onto the new wineskin. But the problem is there's no place for that. 
that's not going to work. And so what's happening is, is we've these crisis experiences. There's a reorientation. There's a redefining of what it means to be the church that is happening here. Right? It's, it's happening here. The wrestling with what's my place in the church. Where, like, there's this almost this mindset we can look for sometimes where it's like, where's my pulpit in Riverhouse? You know, maybe not the one up here on Sundays, but where, where's my pulpit within this community? Where's my voice going to be heard? And, and as we spoke to last, last week, it's like God won't let it happen. He doesn't want there to be a lot because he's, he's pushing us. He's pushing us out. So no, it's not about the temple. It's a trickle here. This is the trickle. Trickle, 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 trickle. Little trickle, just trickling all over you. Not peeing. <laughs> right, this is the trickle. But the further the river gets, the more potent it becomes. And I feel like God is raising up this pioneering people. They're going to say, how far down that river can I go? Because I believe that wherever we follow it, no matter if it's dark, no matter if it's hard, no matter if it's painful, no matter if it's as dead as the Dead Sea, wherever that river goes, life. Wherever the river goes, there's life. What that means is that those that God has called and given a platform in the church, you're laying down your life to produce a trickle so that people can follow that trickle down to the ends of the earth and plant their seed and bring fruitfulness and healing and nourishment and family to the earth. Right? It's, this, it's this beautiful creation called the church that is both a building and a movement, a river. But God, I feel like he's overemphasizing in our community because there's been such deficiency of the movement that he's, it's like he's bringing correction and he's, he's, he's trying to make us uncomfortable to get out. And it's time that we get out of the church. We have to be liberated in our minds of this, 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 this paradigm where we're stuck in the church, right? We will not change what culture thinks of the church until we change what we think of the church. Right? We are getting our minds renewed, and that is not always comfortable, but it will always be exceedingly fruitful. We are called to Babylon. We're called to this beautiful country called America, and some of us other ones. But we are called and divinely set in place to be exactly where we are. And the river's with you. Ezekiel found, in the darkest place, the river found him. And the river will find you wherever you follow it to, wherever you go. It's with you. He is not confined to the four walls of the church. He is already working out there. He's out there right now. The river's flowing out there right now. But he's wanting people to go get next to it, plant their seeds, and grow and become these trees, these ecosystems of life, healthy family. We have been commissioned by God to be ambassadors of family in the earth. I heard it said that uh, Jonathan Helser, he said, the, the more that heaven comes to earth, the more that earth looks like family. Wherever we are, wherever we are sent to, 
We are ambassadors of healthy family. And the beautiful thing is that we don't, we don't need anyone to create that. Right? 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Right? We, we are not needing permission from anyone to go and create there's like we're sometimes like we're waiting it's like we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting for the revival we're waiting for the we're waiting 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 and i feel like god's like i'm out here i'm out there i'm moving i'm working i'm you want to find me i'm with the poor i'm with the broken i'm with the hurting I'm in the cracks of society. I'm in the palaces. I'm in the, the places, the whitewashed tombs. I'm out here working. Permissions granted. There is riverfront property with your name on it. And it's out there. And we've got to go find it. We gotta go find where, where is this land of promise? Where is this place within the world? Where is this pulpit that you've promised me? Maybe it doesn't look like the temple ordinances like Ezekiel thought it would be, but Ezekiel fulfilled his calling nonetheless, and it was powerful, and it was beautiful. We have to recognize that to be a pastor, to be a spiritual leader does not mean you stand on a stage on a Sunday and preach. It means you are with God and you're following him out into the world and you are recognizing that there is a prophetic mandate on your life and the prophetic word of God is in you. I feel like so many people have let the prophetic be for someone else. Someone else more gifted, more godly, that someone else that hears God really well. No, it's for you. My sheep follow me because they hear my voice. The word of the Lord is living inside of you. God, I am, and it's time to own and claim, I am a prophetic oracle of God. I am a living epistle written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God, known and read by all around me. It is time to take that to heart. It is time to step in to our identity because all of creation is waiting for the revelation of who you are. We're searching for language here. We're searching for the words that can shift the paradigm so that we can be released to become the movement that God intended. Right? When Jesus looks at his church, he sees, he sees this bride that is humble and powerful and transformative and, and knows, has the wisdom to move into the world and turn things upside down and bring light into the darkness, to bring healing into the brokenness, to bring hope to the depressed and the hopeless, to lift up the weary, to share and be generous with the poor, to bring the kingdom of God and reverse these generations of brokenness and sickness and pain and abuse and brokenness. He sees it and he believes in his bride. He believes in you. He is dreaming. He is stirring. He's at the edge of his seat and he's waiting for the people to say, I will allow you to make me uncomfortable, to disturb my mindset and become the answer to what this culture needs. Right? This is, this is 
this is really humbling for me to confess because it's hard for me sometimes. I don't think the world needs more preachers. That's why I'm so passionate about this. Sometimes I feel like, God, why did you, why'd you stick me in here? I want to go out there. And, and he, he's, he's told me it's because you let me disturb you and he's given me these words. But unless we become missional, unless we change out there, I feel like everything I'm doing is pointless. This is everything to me that we become this, that we somehow embody this. And so it's just, it's my passion. It's my prayer. It's my pursuit. It is my longing that we will become the answer to, to the to, to, to God's heart, what he's craving, that we will embody and become the river, become the movement, become this force that brings in its wake the kingdom of God. So tonight, I, I feel like the Lord, it's a commissioning. I feel like the Lord is wanting to just release us, and, and he's inviting us to say, yes, God, you can, you can change my paradigm of what it means to be used by you. You can change my perspective. You can redefine what it means to be a powerful woman or man of God. You can redefine what it means to be a pastor. You can push me out of where I'm comfortable and into the unknown. You can, you can beckon me further down this river than I wanted to go. But if, and if that's something that you want to say to God, then I, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I just want to spend a time in, in corporate prayer. Lord, we say yes tonight. Just pray out in your own words, but tell them, here, here I am, Lord. Here we are. Send us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Send us. Shape us. Mold us, God, to be the ministers you need in the world that we're living in. Spirit of the living God, Fall fresh on us, Spirit of the Living God. Fall fresh on me, use me more.
God, fill us, God, shape us, God, shape us, God. Lord, I ask that you give us the keys. Give us the keys to this city. Give us the keys to this culture. Give us the keys to hearts, God. Give us the keys, God. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, God. Redefine us. Redefine our minds, redefine our dreams, redefine whatever it takes so that we can just camp along this river. God, I thank you for the beachfront property that you've given each one of us along this river that's rushing through this land. God, help us find this, this property and camp on this property and cultivate this land, our inheritance that you've given. God, so that we can create ecosystems of family wherever we go. God, that bring healing to the broken, healing to the orphan's home for the homeless, family to those that thought they were alone, healing to those that have been abused by the trauma of this life. God, and in all these things, we want to bring you glory, Jesus. God, so we say yes to the difficult task of pioneering into the new thing. God, we want to travel with you down this river. We want to travel with you wherever it goes. God, you can send us to the darkest places. You can send us to the hardest places. You can send us to our own families. You can send us, God, to the places we don't want to go. You can send us to the places that scare us. You can send us wherever you see fit, Lord. But wherever we go, Lord, we just ask that you'll send the river with us, that you'll send your presence with us. God, that your manifest presence, your glory will be with us, God, to any environment we encounter on a Sunday night. We will usher in to any environment, to any land, to any person, to any institution, to anything that you ever send us to, God. You will manifest in just that same way. So, Lord, we thank you that you are commissioning us. You are sending us forth as an apostolic prophetic movement, God, sent by heaven with the living word of God trembling in our bones. God, let your word be like fire in our bones, like it was in Jeremiah, Lord, that we cannot keep it within us even if we try. God, I ask that you will increase the prophetic anointing upon us as a people. Lord, we reach down and we pick up the mantles that we've dropped by the wayside. God, we pick up the mantles. We pick up the giftings. We pick up the anointing, Lord, and we say, God, speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening and you're still speaking. You're still speaking to children. Just like you spoke to Samuel, you're still speaking in vision. You're still speaking in dream. You're still speaking through revelation. You're still speaking through your word. You're still speaking through all of creation. And we say, God, our ears are inclined to your voice. And we tremble. We tremble at your word. 
we live by we live by every word that comes from your mouth and we need you we need you Jesus we need you Jesus send us we pray